Hey everybody, welcome to the Single Tracks Podcast. My name is Jeff, and today I'm going to be talking with Tom Stussy. Tom is the executive director of the Vermont Mountain Bike Association, and the VMBA is a nonprofit dedicated to ensuring the sustainable future of mountain biking in Vermont and thoughtfully promoting the best riding in the Northeast by serving as the central hub for advocacy, education, and event support. Thanks for joining us, Tom. Hey, thanks, Jeff. Appreciate it. Tell us a little bit about the Vermont Mountain Bike Association. That's a big mission with a lot of words in it. How would you sort of break that down? Yeah, a little bit about how we formed and how things have sort of led to where we are now. It initially formed in 97 uh, and operated as a bunch of independent groups throughout the state, sort of, you know, very focused on their local projects and that sort of thing. And then in 07, we received our federal status. And that was that year that we started with our first executive director, um, and I've been with the organization since the end of 2012. And at the time, it was just very serendipitous timing in that the chapters were becoming very interested in learning what the other chapters were doing. And so that led to a discussion about how can we unite and collect our, our united voices around uh, central advocacy and education. And ultimately, that it's how uh, the new mission was born in that we were going to centralize things a bit um, relative to administration, but always ensure that the chapters had the autonomy and you know, the latitude to be the specific character that they wanted to have on their trails and as, as boards and groups of their self, themselves. Yeah. Did, was there any resistance initially or was, was there some challenge to that? Were there any holdouts among the clubs? You know, honestly, there was a lot of excitement about what others were doing. And really that is what has led to so much of the success and that, you know, through the way that we've structured the model, Anytime one chapter does well, so too does every other. And I think mm. there's you know a, a, some unique features there that we can talk about, certainly. But no, there wasn't really a lot of pushback. And I think people were just, the timing was right. And people really wanted to know how to coalesce some advocacy uh, power and a voice for riders in, in the statehouse. And it was just great timing. Yeah. How many groups do you have currently that are a part of the VMBA? Yeah, it's, it's growing quickly. Uh, in 2014, there were 16, and this year we have 28. Oh, wow. And how is it growing? I mean, is are these clubs that exist or have existed and they're joining up with you guys, or are these new clubs being formed? I would say half and half. Uh, there's been there's clubs around that, frankly, predated Vimba ever having uh, hit the scene at all. Uh, and they are still the foundation, the staples of all the things that we do going forward. But since then, a lot of chapters have come on. There's a few instances where there's new iterations of groups coming together and sort of rebranding themselves. Uh, so I'd say still 50-50 on original clubs versus new ones. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it sounds like you guys are a big group. You have a pretty large organization. You represent a number of mountain bike clubs. Are you affiliated with IMBA? Uh, we're not affiliated with IMBA at this time, no. And, and we're also not affiliated with NEMBA. So Vermont is it's uh, it's a standalone uh, statewide organization that is uh, centrally focused on uh, again that sustainable future of mountain biking in Vermont. Yeah. Well, how is your group funded? Uh, much like a lot of other nonprofits, I suspect uh, membership being the primary. Uh, that is ultimately what drives the suite of administrative benefits that the chapters attach to and utilize uh, in different ways. Uh, but beyond that, we try to keep most of the membership dollars going to the trail projects. No one's interested in paying for rent for the office as much as they are their next favorite trail. So we face that that dynamic, I think, like a lot of other nonprofits do. 
The other revenue streams include an annual appeal, uh, much like a lot of other folks do, uh, bike raffle. We have a festival every year. We have the voice platform, which is the Vermont Outdoor Innovation Coalition, and that's sort of a spiced-up version of sponsorship in that we've we coalesced some businesses around the idea of trails being good for businesses of all types, not necessarily just outdoor businesses, because we recognize that everybody enjoys the trails and the lifestyle one can achieve in Vermont is becoming more and more of a platform for businesses here to be recruiting top-level talent from out of state, and we just love healthy, happy Vermonters. And so we wanted to bring their voices to the table as well. So we started the voice platform, which we can talk about more later. Uh, the DHNBT, so all the downhill resorts have always been huge supporters of, of FIMBA throughout the state. And so they come into a DHNBT program. And like most would suspect, we write a lot of grants and we and we seek a lot of sponsorship as well. Yeah. Well, I think what's interesting, you know, looking at your mission too, is that while it looks like the primary focus is on, uh, you know, advocating for sustainable trails and things of that nature, there's also like this tourism component, which you kind of uh, just touched on talking about some of the sponsors. So how does that work? It seems like a lot of mountain bike clubs are really focused on creating great trails for their members and for people, you know, within their communities to enjoy. So I'm interested to understand how you are able to sort of work on the tourism angle. The Vermont Tourism Department has been a long-standing uh, supporter of, of VIMBA for a long time, certainly before my time, for sure. But I think the tourism question is a very good one in that there are a lot, there's been a lot of trails that were developed long before VIMBA and certainly long before there was this economic driver discussion uh, that's happening in all parts of the country. Uh, and there's definitely a flavor of, you know, hey, I built that trail 25 years ago. Like, I'm not going to pay you to ride it now. And, <laughs> and I, I think that that position is valid. Um, I'm not suggesting that necessarily, nor would Bimba um, suggest that everything should be necessarily touristy, air quotes. Mm -hmm. um, but there is there is an opportunity for people to protect their secret by joining. And oftentimes, um, not necessarily rogue trails, I don't mean to imply that, but some trails that are not always mapped, those trails need to be available to, to locals, I think, in all parts of the country. And I, I encourage chapters to, to have that. I, from my perspective, ideally, those are sanctioned trails. And for the most part, we're doing a great job with that. But the other piece is that if you want to protect your secret, definitely become a, a member of your local organization because that local organization is advocating for access primarily on public land. Certainly, this is the case in the east. And then through that public access, that's the trails. those are the trails that we can map and we can advertise and we can promote in, in a tourist-driven state like Vermont. Those are the places that we can be encouraging people to go ride instead of going and finding your secret. And so emboldening the statewide organization always uh, serves to protect secrets and also expand your writing opportunities as well. So tourism with, with Vimba certainly understands that that's exactly what we're doing. We've been very transparent about this. These are our goals in terms of keeping riding here sustainable. Um, and they're very much in support of, of our approach to that. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, it seems like a lot of people, I mean, there's certainly like the pride in having your local trails be sort of a destination where people are traveling to ride them. But then on the other hand, I could see how some you know, volunteers or people who are involved might feel a little resentful, I guess, that they're always like fixing the trails that people from out of town are riding and needing to do maintenance because of how popular the trails are. Is there ever any of that sort of conflict? Um, there is. It's not so much conflict, it's opportunity. The chapters have been very smart about recognizing that this isn't necessarily an issue to, to tamp down, but rather it's an opportunity to embrace. And so what, what Vimba has done 
in response to that is we started the Northeast Regional Bike Alliance. And all, all it is, is I, I reached out to all the trail-based organizations that uh, border Vermont and a few in Canada uh, and said, hey, do you all want to engage in a conversation about the kinds of things that we're doing? And they were all really into it. And, and the idea was that, it, I mean, resources for Vimba are are tough to come by, like a lot of nonprofits. And I didn't want to spend money on advertising in New Jersey about the places where people could ride, but rather I wanted to speak through Jorba and say, you know, Hey Jorba, can you share with your riders that the message from Vermont is? And so they were getting the message from a, a familiar voice, which ideally mm -hmm. increased the, the opportunity, the chances that they would be reading that. Um, but that gave us great access to each other's memberships. And so anytime there's something to promote, we share it with the respective memberships and we have a nice little discussion going on on a closed group on Facebook as well. That's been pretty fruitful from just from as a sounding board for each other. It's been really great. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. And maybe that's something a lot of people who, who maybe have that frustration forget is that, you know, we all, we, we work on our local trails and we contribute there, but then most of us travel as well. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of people in Vermont that travel to, to Canada and, and to other surrounding States and enjoy their trails. So it is kind of a reciprocal agreement. Yes. Yeah, it, it's really important. I, you know, the the center of Vermont is within a ten hour drive of eighty million people, but Vermont, <laughs> wow. but Vermont only has six hundred twenty nine thousand people in it. So when people want to get away from it all, it's they're traveling here. Yeah, and so it's important that we have a, a conduit to to speaking to those folks and educating them about the best places to ride. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about how VMBA is organized. We kind of hit on it, but you guys have kind of a unique model. I think maybe there's one other state that's organized in the way that you are. So could you kind of explain uh, what the model is? Yeah. So it's it's fairly centralized in that the Vimba office oversees basically all the membership and the add-on piece. And the unique part of the the model is is that add-on layer. So when a rider goes to vimba.org to become a member, she chooses a base chapter. Mm -hmm. And then at that time can choose any other additional chapter that she's interested in at 50% off. And by 50%, I mean the base membership is split 50-50 between Vimba and the chapter. Vimba's not, quote-unquote, keeping 50%. We're retaining that portion so that we can pay for the administrative suite that all the chapters are plugging into. Mm-hmm. And then we try to get to as close to 100% of the balance or more um, is left for a trail grant that all the chapters can apply to regardless of their size. So right now, membership is 49 bucks. So the split's 24.50 for Bimba, 24.50 for the chapter. So at that time, she can add any other chapter for 24.50 because that's the chapter split um, in the initial registration. So Bimba then manages and administers that 2450 to pay out 100 of that goes to the chapters and then vima manages those payouts along with the base memberships that the chapter acquired over the course of that month okay it sounds kind of similar to what imba was doing uh prior to like this year but you guys are doing it on a state level i mean how how does it differ um if it does i mean the revenue splits i think are probably going to be different but uh, isn't that kind of the same model that imba was trying to do for the country I think so. I can't really speak so much to the to the IMBA model, but I can say that from Vimba's perspective, in 2015 we had 78 total statewide add-ons, and this year we're we're just under 1,260. Oh wow! So so the model itself is one that's appreciated by riders. Certainly, chapters appreciate it because it's added revenue for them. But for this year, it was nearly 32,000 extra dollars to the chapters that was facilitated by the Vimba office. Yeah. Cool. And you said that a portion of what 
the Vermont Mountain Bike Association keeps is put into a pot that that is then distributed as grants. Do you also get grants from other organizations? I mean, I imagine there's there's a lot of money out there, and is is the VMBA able to access that? Uh, the businesses actually play a, play a really strong role in trail development in Vermont. Cabot Cheese is our primary title sponsor. They contribute likely probably the most to the trail grant. Um, Outdoor Gear Exchange is another title sponsor that's very active in all kinds of trail projects and all over the state. Uh, longstanding relationship with Long Trail Brewery. But the chapters also have great success with their local businesses. For example, there was a major storm in Stowe last year, which devastated Katie Hill. If anybody's ever been to Katie Hill, um, they understand how phenomenal that trail network is. And it's been rebuilt even better. So if you haven't been here this year, you definitely have to come check it out. Still has done a phenomenal job doing that. But they um, hooked up with uh, the Alchemist and they did a beer called Broken Spoke and a portion of those proceeds went towards the recovery efforts towards Katie Hill. So the chapters are pretty savvy about developing some pretty strong business relationships too. Yeah. We're, you know, we're working on a story about trail funding and where that comes from. I mean, is most of it from individuals, it sounds like, and then corporate sponsors. What about like nonprofit grants and foundations and government grants and things like that? Have you had much success with those type of funding opportunities? Well, we do. Um, and there's as much as there's resources around, um, it's exceptionally competitive in Vermont for those resources. I think there's more nonprofits here than people. <laughs> um, and they all have a very uh, strong and, and worthy uh, purpose. And so to that extent, it's very competitive. But we do have um, great relationships with some foundations. We, In terms of, because um, you'd mentioned funding trails, and I think it's an important question to answer and certainly a very timely one, especially when um, we're in a time in, in, across the country where we're talking about the quote-unquote um, outdoor recreation economy, well, frankly, which is a phrase that drives me <laughs> a little bit crazy because it's that's an amalgamation of two very important things that deserve equal but separate treatment being what is outdoor business versus what is outdoor recreation. And I think having that conversation that defines those and, and their interaction with each other is the best first step towards affording trails beyond what the scope of the organization specifically. So for us, for example, it would be membership. Membership, keeping membership dollars local builds trails. Vermont, I think, has has illustrated that if if that decision is made, that a lot of trails get built. Yeah. Um, beyond that, I think when when businesses come into um, the picture, like for example, if if I'm a business that happens to hypothetically build snowboards and I'm located in Vermont, um, if I'm if I'm putting forth attention, energy, or resources towards building trails and or uh, maintaining trails. And I'm then actively engaged as a business that really doesn't have a bunch to do with mountain biking, but I'm engaged in stewardship. And stewardship is the bridge between outdoor business and outdoor recreation. And I, I think the, the, the trail-based nonprofits, and regardless of activity and or state location, I think if they can facilitate that discussion they stand to get much more support for trails because that, that, that light goes on for people that, wait a minute, there is a meaningful connection here that. Yeah, that's a really good way to look at it. So what are some examples of trail projects that the Vermont Mountain Bike Association has supported in the last few years? Last year's trail grant supported 13 new projects this year. Uh, we do, yeah, we do our annual trail grant awards at the annual meeting late fall every year. And then, you know, for the subsequent building season, um, highlighted this year, uh, Blueberry Lake over in Warren Waitsfield is a phenomenal new, um, network of trails and it illustrates a really great relationship with the forest service. Um, that one's definitely worth checking out certainly for the family. 
uh, Richmond Mountain Trails, just south of Burlington, has done a phenomenal job on private land. They have some new private land um, relationships that are, have really come to fruition for them in a pretty cool way. And they're building out like crazy. Uh, and that's only one exit south of Burlington. And a, one of our featured projects going forward is the Vellamont Trail. And that's our goal there is to link Killington to Stowe with no less than 70% single tracks. So it'd be 85 plus miles oh, wow. uh, distance, um, ideally, yeah, on single track. Interconnectivity is really the future of, I think, Vermont's um, opportunity. I think we have tremendous networks, but they're not linked. And it, it does, there's a lot of challenges that are associated with that, but there's also a tremendous opportunity. Yeah. Well, I mean, what is the primary type of trail, I guess, um, that people are riding now? Is it, are there a lot of enduro type trails or are, are more people sort of into trail riding there or, or is bikepacking even something that's kind of on the radar? Bikepacking is absolutely on the radar. Um, absolutely. Uh, they're one of our, the bike, the Vermont bike packers is actually one of our chapters. Um, and they do a great job helping to facilitate communications between chapters. They're fantastic. Um, but in terms of the overwhelming popularity and it sounds like a canned answer, but it's, it's an authentic one. You can find anything you want in Vermont within roughly 40 minutes of where you're sitting at any point. It's really fantastic. There's, a ton, there's tons of enduro riding here, but of course there's, that's emboldened by a ton of really great uh, cross country riding too. Yeah, that's cool. Well, I mean, yeah, I think everybody has heard of the Kingdom Trails in Vermont and then Killington Bike Park has been in the news a lot this year. So yes. what what are some other trail systems or riding areas that are really stand out for people who are visiting Vermont for the first time? Uh, Killington and KT certainly deserve all the credit in the world. Those two are um, really knocking it out of the park for sure. Uh, but in, in addition to that, gosh, first thing that comes to mind is Stab, the sports trails of the Scott D. Basin. They're in Brownsville, Vermont. They got a little bit of everything for everyone. It's over 40 miles of mapped uh, trails down there, which is really great riding. The Waitsfield, Warren area, Mad River Riders, there's tons. It's all mapped. This is all available online. There's something for everybody there. And, of course, they're connected to the Blueberry Lake project as well. Maybe some of the more out-of-the-way stuff that people would want to find, uh, Montgomery. Uh, Way north, uh, the Montgomery group is building some very Enduro-esque, gritty, super fun, well-built trails up there that's definitely worth a stop. It's uh, near Jay Peak, if folks are familiar with that area. Uh, Bennington, uh, the Bennington Area Trails uh, system is doing really great work with uh, Southern Vermont College. they got some really great uh, private laid-on relationships, and they've had... Um, a huge opportunity to build some really fun trails down there. And that, again, something for everybody. I have to take a three for one here and admit I can't choose one. Hinesburg Town Forest in Sleepy Hollow, south uh, of the Fellowship of the Wheels territory in Chittenden County. But just off of that, the Richmond stuff, the Richmond stuff is so good. Uh, and just down the road is some of the Marquee Trail in Vermont, which is um, a Little River State Park in Waterbury. And then, um, Perry Hill also in Waterbury. Uh, and those are, those are all tremendous riding opportunities, just one exit apart off of interstate 89. So that, that zone is densely populated with some really marquee trail. Mm, yeah. That's, that's a lot to choose from for sure. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people too, I think when they think about Vermont and sort of mountain biking in the Northeast in general, think of, you know, really rocky, uh, oftentimes steep trail, a lot of roots and things like that. <laughs> I mean, is there more variety than that? Are you guys with the new trails that you're building, uh, what would you say the mix is between like machine cut sort of flowy trails versus the more natural stuff that maybe people associate with the Northeast? 
Um, let's see the per- percentage wise that that's tough to say. Um, uh, boy, any answer I give, I'm going to get a phone call. <laughs> us, us too. That's <laughs> welcome to our world. Yeah. I would say machine build stuff is probably 35%. I'm certain, uh, like I said, I'm going to get an email on that. The, the stuff that, the stuff that people are doing with dedicated volunteers with shovels is incredible. Um, uh, there certainly is the, the gritty, rudy, rocky, um, steep ish stuff, but I think, the ecology and the responsibility, frankly, attached to trail building in Vermont is what 99% of the builders are approaching their work with. They, and those trail standards are a reflection of not only their capacity to build phenomenal trail, which isn't always necessarily the steepest, but it's also a responsibility to the landowner, to the public land manager, and or to, the, to their own effort. Um, trails that are built out of the scope of sustainability are very expensive to maintain, and 99% of the trails in Vermont are built and maintained by volunteers. So they want a really great riding experience, but also a sustainable resource as well, just because of their own bandwidth and capacity to get things done. So really gritty stuff, uh, I, at least 30%, I would <laughs> say, in Vermont's fairly gritty. But there's a lot of buffed out machine built stuff as well and, and everything in between. Yeah, that sounds good. What is the riding season like in Vermont? Uh, I imagine it gets cold and snowy for parts of the year. So are people riding year round? Is fat biking a thing? And, and what's sort of the best time? The best time to fat bike is just, sorry, sorry for the canned answer, but it's just when the conditions are right. Um, as the, as the, our temperatures fluctuate more and more each year, I think it ultimately just comes down to the local, local conditions in terms of the best time to ride. But January, February, typically pretty good. And people are very respectful of the shoulder seasons, you know, stick season in the fall has is, you know, tendency to be a little bit wet just before the snow gets here. And I think people are very respectful of that. And certainly mud season. Almost no one that reads anything or talks to anybody else is not on the trails when they're muddy in the spring. That said, every once in a while, there's a fat bike track out there. But, you know, same could be said in the summer after heavy rain, too. Yeah. Is is mud and wet conditions a problem there? I imagine that some of your trails, some of your rockier trails, uh, do they hold up pretty well to wet riding? Definitely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. For the most part. Yes. Um, but having said that, it's not every trail section isn't always all <laughs> rocky. Right. And so, uh, it's while one section of the trail is in great shape, another one may not be, um, I think ultimately whether or not muddy is a problem is, uh, can be measured by the extent to which people ride them when they're muddy. Um, so if, if people stay off of wet trails, it's not an issue at all. Um, and if they are, it is, um, and we, it's a little bit of, a struggle because someone's in from out of town and they drove five hours to be here. There's that moment where they're sitting at the trailhead when it's, you know, still a little misty out. I really want to experience Vermont riding. And I heard this was the trail to be on. And I think oftentimes they're tempted to go in and I, I, I don't, I understand the temptation. I totally get it, but I think we're dealing with a little bit of that too. And oftentimes it's um, folks that have traveled a distance that are are still going for it. That's a good message for sure as we head into the fall and the winter season. So we're going to take a break real quick, but when we come back, we'll talk about some of the opportunities and challenges for mountain bikers in Vermont and across the U.S. You can't see me, but I'm wearing an awesome single tracks hat right now. It's actually the reason my voice sounds so amazing. Okay, so maybe not, but you never know until you get a hat for yourself. Go to shop.singletracks.com to find Singletracks hats, t-shirts, stickers, tubular headwear, and can coolers. Shipping is free within the USA, and your purchase helps support the Singletracks podcast. That's shop.singletracks.com, and thank you for your support. 
And we're back. So Tom, what opportunities do you see for mountain biking in Vermont in the future? I think I think primaries. It's it's ensuring that the riders are also participating in membership, uh, and it's it's not necessarily about a revenue thing, but it is about um, being a counted thing as much about being in the state house. A lot of legislators will ask me, "Well, how many members do you represent?" And I know that the ridership in Vermont, and I'm sure it's like this in other places in the country too. Our ridership outnumbers our membership, and I recognize that every rider is not going to be a, a member every year, but being be, having a number to share that is robust certainly helps us uh, garner attention and ideally subsequent follow-up from them to us. Like, Hey, this thing came up. What do you think about the, you know, the thing that we're talking about? It gives me an opportunity to share a conversation, not just make a statement to a legislator. It invites a conversation with them. If the number, as the number grows, it gets more and more attention. The other piece is ensuring that kids have great access to riding mentors and trails. I think that really no one can go wrong um, investing in training that those two pieces are in place. We have the Vermont Youth Cycling um, League happening in Vermont right now. And uh, Ross Gatchard and company has done an amazing job putting that together across a bunch of junior high and high schools. And Vimba has sponsored that and provided a platform for membership for them. So we're really excited about the work that they're doing. It's really been incredible. Mm-hmm. Trail interconnectivity. I know we alluded to it earlier in the conversation, but we have these great networks that aren't connected. And I think trailing Trail interconnectivity represents tremendous opportunity for riders in state, out of state, and certainly businesses of all types in within Vermont. Yeah. Are there any big sort of bikepacking routes already that people are utilizing within the state? Yeah, definitely. Um, you can check out um, Vermont Bikepackers uh, for more information and the link to their chapter is actually right off of the, the chapters page at vimba.org. They have all kinds of insight and information to share. Cool. And what about events and things like that? Are there a lot of events that Vimba supports to sort of bring people from out of state? Vimba's primary event is the festival. And we struggle a bit with the fest, to be honest, just because chapters are have grown to be so strong and so sophisticated on their own that mm-hmm. they, they host amazing events. <laughs> and the event calendar is so competitive that Go, go check out vimba.org and check out the calendar of events in, in any any summer day. You'll <laughs> in any week you'll have three or four events from which to choose, and they're all super high quality events. Yeah, what what are the bigger ones that some of the chapters put on that maybe people have heard of or that people might want to get on their calendar for next year? Oh man, there's a bunch of gravel grinder stuff. The largest one's probably out of Wada every spring. They get I don't know 450, 500 people to go to that event. Mm. Is that mountain biking though? You guys actually support that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, it does because uh, there's a little bit of single track on that, but usually things are a little bit wet still by then. So we stick to the gravel stuff. But mm-hmm. it's in support of their trail work, and so we're we're really excited about it too. Stuff in the fall, people may have heard of uh, the leaf blower in Stowe is super popular. I think you get 300 plus folks at that event. Cool. Uh, and there's a bunch of stuff in the winter too that um, MTBVT does with KT uh, Kingdom Trails um, throughout the winter for fat biking too. So there's some pretty marquee, large marquee events that happen. Cool. Well, what is sort of your pitch to non-mountain bikers, like the small business owners in some of these communities where trail pro- projects are being proposed, or you know maybe you're kicking off? What do you what do you say to like the the person who owns a restaurant or a bar or whatever about? sort of the benefits of supporting these types of projects? Almost always check with the local chapter first because a lot of them have developed these relationships. Are Anybody who's interested in riding the chapters probably already know. But in terms of what we share with them as an organization is there's multiple illustrations of what could be uh, by virtue of what's happening in other parts of the state. So we almost encourage them to, to call 
other communities and ask them or call the other chamber or call the other business owner. Or it's one thing for us to go in and tell them about, you know, to extol the virtues of, you know, this is and that's, but to hear from a peer in a similar situation goes a lot further in, in being persuasive than would, again, just, you know, hearing from me or from the chapter. Yeah. It seems like all over the country, there's a big opportunity there to tell this sort of tourism story about the benefits of mountain biking, where, you know, a lot of people, maybe they're not familiar with it, or they think they might have sort of a preconceived notion of what mountain bikers are, or, or what types of people they are, and, you know, whether or not it's good for their community. And it seems to me that there are so many of these case studies, like you said, there's other communities that have benefited tremendously from having trails built um, that, yeah, I'm just surprised that not everybody is on board with it and that there are some of the challenges uh, that, that there are in getting new trails built. It's, it it's really comes down to two layers of convincing, honestly, and it starts with the chapter, you know, sit, sitting down at the chapter board and saying, okay, like what kind of chapter, what flavor, what's our character, what do we want to express to the world? Um, you know, Vermont is getting more and more attention. If we put it out there into the ethos, it's likely to get a hit or two. What kind of what, what kind of message does this chapter want to be sending? And starting with that helps to get the people that are most responsible for the maintenance and the building of the trails on board with the plan. That is by far and away the most important first step. Hmm. Beyond that, I think, you know, having a conversation with them about the businesses that want to be involved in almost initially always they it's pretty bike centric or bike friendly businesses that are known to be uh, bike friendly are, are like breweries. Exactly. <laughs> almost the first approach, but I'm always encouraging folks to like check out the hotel, like make sure you don't overlook some of the restaurant stuff because every infrastructure piece or element of a visit for a mountain biker is the same as a skier. And, and yeah. Vermont and like other States have, you know, has that completely decoded. Yeah. <laughs> and so, I mean, you know, we're always encouraging each other to, to explore all kinds of opportunities. I and mean, even the local insurance company has employees that, you know, likely have mountain bikers attached. Um, and so the benefits of tourism, uh, I mean, for someone like an insurance company is bringing people to the state and having them fall in love and then want to be here that happen to have an expertise that they would benefit from down the road. And when you put it in terms like that, it's everybody rides a bike. You know, it's not necessarily, and everybody doesn't need to be a hardcore mountain biker right now necessarily to be of benefit to you. And even if the hardcore mountain bikers from out of state are, are, are benefiting other businesses in your town, that still too is a benefit to you as your community gets stronger. So too to you. Yeah. Would you say that Vermont is a pretty bike friendly state or has a history of being one? Absolutely. It's very, it's pretty tough um, to go pretty much in any places where we have any of our larger networks where businesses aren't very welcoming of riders. And the, one of the best things that we did was we started the plan your ride platform on our website. And we, we basically have the state is divided up into territory and ability of riding from beginner, intermediate, advanced adaptive riding and, and, and everything in between. And you can isolate, I want to find a shop. I want to find food. I want to find a brewery. I want to find lodging. And you can isolate <laughs> however you want to search. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's overwhelming how many businesses are interested in being on that platform because they want to be known as also being bike friendly when the riders come to Vermont. Yeah. That's great. One of the things you mentioned too, is that each of the clubs sort of has maybe their own sort of personality. And I, I find that really interesting because a couple of the clubs you've mentioned, like the Vermont bike packers, um, it sounds like they're organized more around, again, like a personality than maybe a geographic area. Is that true? I mean, is, is 
that kind of the model that seems really different, I guess, than what I've seen, at least like in my local area where everything is organized more around geography and less around sort of common interests. Yeah. Yes and no. I think um, bike packers is unique in that they don't have, you know, quote unquote, a place, you know, it sort of everywhere is theirs. Right? <laughs> They're mobile. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, the people, uh, chapters being isolated to a geographic region sort of went out the window as soon as we opened up the add-on model. Cause then everybody could add all chapters that are producing the kinds of things that they like. And, you know, they could be not skipping over, but it could be two or three chapters away, but they're still adding them because they just appreciate the way that they build their trails. And, yeah. uh, the, the add on model really became in a place in a rural state like Vermont. I mean, 30% of the population is just in Chittenden County and that leaves the rest of the state is very rural. Wow. And so there are chapters that are in towns with a thousand people or less. Mm -hmm. And the idea was it's nice to have a chapter, but five members isn't going to cut it, especially when those are all also all the board members, right? Yeah. So when we opened up the, um, the add-on model, they had access to every other rider in every other part of the state. And so what was a 10 person chapter, these are now 65 to hundred person chapters now just by virtue of the add-on model. Yeah. That's really innovative, honestly, because I mean, what I've found over the years being part of various advocacy organizations is that um, when they're organized around a geography, you might show up to the meetings or you might go to a work day and the people are just, for whatever reason, they might be different, right? They're, yep. uh, maybe it's an older group than what you usually would ride with, or maybe it's, you know, a group that's more focused on enduro, but you're a cross country rider. And I think for a lot of people that kind of turns them off. They, they think like, oh, well, you know, this advocacy thing and this like supporting my local club is just not for me. Like I just, it's, it feels really forced sometimes. And yeah. I think that if you were able to choose sort of based on the types of trails you ride, for example, um, you know, you, you choose to support the club that builds the gnarly, you know, mountain bike trails like in the mountains versus um, maybe a family's going to join the one that builds more of the like suburban kind of flow trail stuff. It sounds like that's really smart way to approach it. It really has worked out well because giving people access to other chapters gives them a voice in more than one place in Vermont as well. And I think from the rider's perspective, so the end user's perspective, that has really been a meaningful piece. And they, they know that they're doing their part. And we use this uh, this goofy little Velcro strip. We innovated this, this, I don't know what you'd call this idea. I suppose it was born out of Movember actually, as I thought, hey, how do I put a mustache on a bike? How do I make somebody's <laughs> membership status publicly visible? And we came up with these goofy little, uh, Velcro strips, uh, plastic Velcro strips. Unfortunately they're plastic, but it had to be durable and transferable from bike to bike. And it had to be, uh, bright colored. And so everyone gets one in their membership packet. And so wherever you're riding in Vermont, if you have that colors strip on your bike, everybody knows that you contributed to the trail grant that they know their chapter can apply to just like yours. So it's, it's, it's not a question of, did you add my chapter? It's thank you for being a member. That's really cool. So what are some of the challenges that mountain bikers face in Vermont? Sounds like there are definitely a lot of opportunities, but what are, what are some of the impediments to that? From an advocacy perspective, you know, that being our primary work, I think, we need to update some some policy relative to private landowners. I think private landowners in Vermont play a huge, huge role in public recreation. And we need to update some regulation to ensure that our chapters can, without uh, a hindrance, approach them and develop a relationship in a way that keeps things transparent for the landowner and the chapter. I mean, those relationships are very good, but we also want the public to also understand that relationship. And in some cases, 
the way that regulation is is established, you know, it's a wink. Sure, you can go build, but don't map it. And and this happens everywhere. Yeah, yeah, we hear that a lot. Yeah, yeah, certainly not specific to here by any stretch. But we want to be sure that we're we're finding a way past that. And when when the chapter wants to, the, what's the reason for that? I mean, is it the private landowner who's making that stipulation? Is it like a liability concern on their part, or? It's not so much liability. We're very fortunate, um, like a few other states, to have the Landowner Liability Act. So if a private landowner opens his or her land to public recreation, they they're not they can't be sued. Um, or if they are sued, it's it's likely to not to not generate any kind of substantial settlement for the sewer. In terms of who wants a map versus who doesn't, question. Sometimes it's the chapter, but that's on rare occasion. Um, and certainly, if it is, I don't know about it. And, and again, I, I'm not. If it's if it's a legal sanctioned thing, I'm I'm fine with that. But in the, the the way that the regulation happens is that um, it's a restrictive, it's it's a permitting process that's, that's potentially restrictive to what the landowner can do on his or her land um, currently and or in the future. And I think there's there's some fear around that. Some of it being you know substantiated, perhaps some of it not. But um, it's just it, there's an opportunity for us to advocate for um, to move past some very antiquated jurisdictional encumbrances that uh, would enable us to achieve interconnectivity, achieve those economic outcomes bring in more businesses, bring in more private landowners, and ultimately provide, continue to provide world-class expanding um, riding in Vermont. I would say another challenge we have organizationally is that the model that we've built worked really well, and chapters are evolving and growing in sophistication very quickly, and that has put a little bit of pressure on the office, uh, which is a great it's great news. Nobody is, uh, no one's complaining or yelling and screaming about anything, but there's definitely a, a need for the office to augment some some of its bandwidth to ensure that our chapter services remain uh, very strong. And much like any other nonprofit, I think, you know, uh, the resources attached to administrative bandwidth are always a little bit of a challenge because right. rightfully so people want their their energy is going towards their next favorite trail. And, uh, and I totally get it. Um, so we're, we're really eager to ensure that we, we keep that up to par as well. Yeah. Are there any challenges with uh, some of the government land managers within Vermont? What are the relationships like there on the ground? Generally good. There, there's always open lines of communication uh, between Forest Parks and Recreation and Vimba. I think there are differences in how the district teams approach rec- uh, mountain biking and recreation in general in some parts of the state. In some cases, it's it's more difficult, and in others, it's 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 very straightforward. And it really ultimately just comes down to um, the location, the type of land they're working with, and the other demands on that that public land. Like in some cases, there's an overwhelming demand for access across all kinds of uses, and that creates a lot of challenge challenges for the state. But, you know, like any other mountain bike organization, everybody wishes things happened faster and that they put forth a really great master plan. It should just be magically approved. <laughs> um, and, and, and after a lot of hard work from a volunteer's perspective, I can completely appreciate that perspective, too. But I, ideally, things would happen in a little bit more streamlined fashion. But uh, we recognize that they, too, are working through resource um, decisions and and things will get done as soon as they can. So generally from a, from a big picture perspective, our relationship with state land managers is pretty good. Yeah, that's great. Finally, I want to ask you, I mean, do you think that this state advocacy model can work for other states that might have a larger population or maybe cover a larger geographic area? 
larger population for sure because uh, <laughs> more members. But I, I would say absolutely. I think uh, geography is certainly a factor, but the system with enough participating riders certainly produces the resources needed to, uh, to keep an organization's revenues local and uh, speak to specific advocacy issues from uh, at the state level, I think is very important. Um, and it certainly can support a strong trail grant. So is it scalable to other places? Absolutely. For us, the the cornerstone of the whole thing for us was building a website that could handle centralized uh, membership and the add-on piece. And once we sort of got through that hurdle uh, and show and and show because we wanted to show chapters that yes, this is going to work. Like you're not losing character, you're still autonomous. This is just the service we want to provide. And once we made it past that and illustrated that it was going to work, it, things have exploded here. Yeah. How have you done that? I mean, is this some like software package that other chapters could like just, you know, download and, and set up a website or is it, was it much more involved or, and, and if so, was, is it something you guys can, you know, share with other chapters or states that might be thinking about doing this? Yeah. So, um, for us, it was patchwork on so open source software works. It, it's, it's kind of one of those things where a lot of the open source stuff will get you close, but it won't technically get you there. Right. And, and the getting you there is very costly, very time consuming, puts a lot of pressure on the one volunteer that's got a bunch of developing background that says she'll step in and give it a shot. I, I told we've been through all of that. Um, but for us, it was paying for a lot of coding, but then recognizing that we needed a custom solution and our, we use Helio is our Helio interactive is our web development company. And they have been unbelievably amazing at developing a custom platform for a very, very reasonable cost. And this isn't necessarily an advertisement for Helio, but <laughs> I, I really can't say how much they've meant to, to our success and how easy they are to work with. So I'd strongly recommend reaching out to Helio. Yeah. sounds like that's played a pretty integral role in what you've been able to do, which, I mean, that's surprising to hear. And it's good to hear too, I think maybe for other states or groups that might be thinking about trying a similar model. Yeah, they've been, they've been great. And like I said, when, when a writer can go and find all the chapters in one spot and do the add-ons as a family and or an individual in any combination in one transaction, it really decreased our non-renewal rate. Like, cause the renewal became process became easier. Hmm. Yeah. And so that became a really important part of growing our membership. Yeah, that's great to hear. Really encouraging. Tom, thank you so much for joining us and for talking about what the Vermont Mountain Bike Association is working on and, and all the great riding opportunities that are available there in your state. Thank you, Jeff. I really appreciate it. Well, you can learn more about the Vermont Mountain Bike Association at vmba.org, where you can also contribute and find out how to get involved, find events and places to ride. And remember, if you're enjoying the Single Tracks podcast, be sure to rate us on the iTunes podcast app. That'll help us reach more listeners. Thanks for joining us this week. We'll talk to you again next week. Peace. Peace.